Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. What is the first brand in your life you remember making an impact on you? So my father was in the mining industry. Um, he was a businessman and he traveled all the time. He was a bit like Pierce Lyons. He was on a plane most of most of my life growing up. Um, so we would go to the airport and we'd collect him and we'd, you know, he'd tell us our story, stories about flying everywhere. So Aer Lingus is the national airline of Ireland. So that's something that I've kind of always, you know, associated with Ireland. It was a brand that I always admired and and loved when I was growing up. Of course, I wanted to be an air hostess, as, you know, all young kids at that time did because it was so glamorous. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. My guest today in the CMO podcast is Orla McAleer, the chief marketing officer of Alltech a 40-year-old company that is the only privately held and family-owned business among the giant companies in the animal health and nutrition space. This is perhaps the most interesting and quirky company you have never heard about. It was founded by the charismatic Irish biochemist, Dr. Piers Lyons, but it's based in Nicholasville, Kentucky. Its base business is animal nutrition, but it has an amazing portfolio of spirits and beers, including one of my favorites, Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. She has worked 18 years at Alltech, including a stint in Thailand as marketing manager for 17 Asian countries. Orla has been CMO for four years, overseeing a time of rapid growth for Alltech. This is my conversation with Orla McAleer. Welcome, Orla, to the CMO podcast. I am in Cincinnati for this recording, and I believe you are in Dublin, correct? I am in Dublin. Well, I'm actually slightly outside Dublin. I decided to come into our office today, which is um, about 20K outside Dublin. How was the weather today? It's beautiful winter's day, blue skies, which is really nice. Normally, it's quite gray and dark, but today we've got a bright day, so it's wonderful. Thank you. And how is it in Cincinnati? We have the same weather. We have the same weather. It's chilly, cold, and sunny, so I'm going to take a hike later today. It's a perfect day for that. Now, we're recording in the holidays, so I, I have to ask you up front, are you the kind of person who loves the holidays or does not like the holidays or a mix? Uh, a bit of a mix. Um, I love the holidays before the holidays and the build up towards them. And then afterwards, I'm kind of antsy and ready to get back to it. So um, so a bit of a mix, but certainly some days off and some switch off time is always very good. Yeah, I feel the same. Now, I first met or discovered your company five years ago, back in 2015. And it was not long after I wrote my book, Grow, which was about purpose and business results. 
And some of your colleagues, colleagues reached out to me to chat about purpose. And I, I kind of met you. I visited your headquarters in Kentucky. And I frankly thought I was in some sort of wonderful Netflix series. <laughs> and so I'd like you to start this podcast with a, a tough question, but a wonderful question. Can you describe for our listeners this remarkable enterprise that you are a part of? Yeah, thank you, Jim, and thank you for the compliment. It is quite a remarkable company. Um, and I've actually been in the organization for 18 years. So in a sense, that maybe, you know, gives an indication of how how fantastic it is. Um, a bit of history. Um, it has an Irish, um, I guess, background. It was started by an Irish entrepreneur called Dr. Pierce Lyons and his wife, Deirdre Lyons, um, who was very involved in the headquarters that you saw five years ago, Jim. Um, and he went to the States um, with a young family in the 70s and decided to go out on his own. And he set up this organization. We're in the animal feed industry. A lot of people don't know us. We're not a very well-known brand outside of our, our industry. Um, and uh, And his vision and goal was really to help improve the performance of animals. But it was more than that. It was to take innovation and improve the lives of people and improve the, the world around us. Um, he really was the, the essence of Alltech. Um, he was an extraordinary character. You met him. I think you were able to understand some of his charisma, um, the aura that he had around him. Um, we say he was a scientist, a marketeer, a salesperson, all wrapped up in one. Um, so the, the, the spark of the organization really came and started from him and his wife, Deirdre Lyons. Um, when you talk about the headquarters, again, in the animal feed industry, we'd be a little bit unusual in the fact that, um, our headquarters is almost like a five star hotel. And, uh, and it's got such a, a different and unique touch, which is really all around the brand of Alltech, but it's all around the vision, um, that Deirdre Lyons also has for the organization. And what we want to make sure is portrayed to our employees and also to our customers and anyone else who visits us. Now, what about the name? It's a funny name, Alltech. What's the origin of that? Yeah, again, very interesting question, and it brings it back to the the origins of it being a family organization. Um, so when they were starting the company, Dr. Lyons wanted to have it beginning with A because he wanted to make sure it was at the top of the phone book um, and in any trade shows at the top of the list. Um, and they had um, a daughter and a son, and they decided to start the, the beginning of Alltech with the initials of their daughter, Aoife. Her name was Aoife Louise Lyons. So that was the, the all part. Um, Mark Lyons, who is currently the president and CEO, was younger than Aoife and was a bit annoyed that he didn't have a part to play in the, the naming of the organization. So Deirdre asked him what colors he liked the best and he picked brown and terracotta and that's where our colors came from in the name. So it's got quite a nice, uh, a, a nice history and a nice story to it. Um, if you also look at the logo, um, the, the A actually represents a microscope, and that was designed by, by Deirdre Lyons as well. So I did meet Dr. Pierce Lyons, and we're speaking of him in the past tense, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later. He passed away two years ago, I believe, and his Mark yes. son is now CEO. He, is, he was the most incredible, I mean, uh, source of energy. Yeah. At, there were stories of him never sleeping. And it wasn't because he was stressed. It was because he was so excited. 
And when he traveled, he was always visiting customers, scientists, entrepreneurs. So he had this insatiable curiosity, this energy, this passion. I mean, a very, very special human being. And I do want to talk a little bit later about how you're carrying on that spirit. But I would like you to tell our listeners, he is an Irish biochemist, an academic in many ways. How, why are you based outside Lexington, Kentucky? Yeah, he um, he did his um, his PhD in fermentation. Um, he did that in Ireland in one of our our top universities, University College Dublin. Um, he worked actually initially for some of the alcohol um, uh, industry. So he worked for Jemison, a well known you'd know Jemison mm-hmm. is a well known Irish brand. He helped to set up the distillery down in Middleton and Cork. He also worked for Guinness. He then moved to the UK and he worked for um, an ethanol organisation, and they actually moved him over to Kentucky. Um, so it was, he was working for that organization over there, and it's there that he decided to set up uh, his own company, Alltech, in the 1980s, 1980. Um, fermentation, I guess, is really the core of our our science. It's the core of our innovation, and it's it's what what he was best known for. So he also actually really saw the states as being a huge opportunity for an entrepreneur. Um, you know, back in those days, uh, everybody dreamed of going to the states. It was that American dream. Um, he felt that business was much easier to 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 start there and to be able to to build. And he had a huge love for Lexington and for Kentucky as as his wife does as well. And actually, there's a real proximity to Ireland in Kentucky. You know, the horse industry is very close to Ireland. There's a lot of Irish people who work in that industry. Um, the bluegrass is quite reflective of the Irish countryside. So actually, there's that, there's that kind of strong Irish-American connection there as well. It's a bit of a nicer climate than Ireland, though, I'd have to say. It's a lot nicer. I missed not being there this summer, I have to say. Now, you have an interesting, you're in the animal feed business and all sorts of animals, right? So... But you you have an interesting portfolio of brands. You're also in the consumer business. So I'd like you to describe your portfolio a little bit more and why you have that unusual portfolio. Yeah, it is quite unusual. And we say that there isn't really a direct competitor with us because I think we are quite unusual in that regard, Jim. Um, so yeah, first and foremost, we're an animal feed company. Um, what I say we do is put those kind of vitamins and minerals into animal feed like you'd find in your cereal. So that helps them to perform better. Um, it's better for the environment, it's better for the consumer. Um, and that's the, the bread and butter really of the organization and what, what Pierce Lyons set it up to do. But as I mentioned, he was also in the alcohol industry and he was, in fact, the first Irishman to have a master's in brewing and distilling, which he was always very proud of. And so his passion and actually his family heritage was all around um, the, the, the spirits and the beverage industry. And uh, that's the consumer side, I guess, of the organization. And people always wonder how on earth do you have animal feed and whiskey and gin and beer? Where is the connection? And actually, the connection is fermentation. So the fermentation in, in a, in a rumen animal, in a cow, for example, is very similar to a fermentation for, for, for beer and for, for beverages. So, um, that's the connection. And that was his passion. Um, he, um, bought a little brewery in Lexington in 2000 that was going out of business. Um, it was really just a hobby. And about 10 years ago, we really decided to take it a bit more seriously and set it up as a, as a, a, a real business. Um, and started exporting our products. Um, we also make them here in Ireland. Um, and it's become a really, you know, great 
part of our story. Um, another part of the organization is life sciences. Um, we do a number of products that, um, and we're researching a number of products that could have a very positive impact on diabetes and also Alzheimer's. Uh, so, so yeah, the breadth of the organization and the brands are quite wide. It's based, it's a science company, right? And that you certainly yes. get that feeling when you visit your headquarters. It is a hardcore, serious science company and a company of purpose, which, which we'll get to in a minute. I, I want to talk, you know, before we leave the founding of the company and, and Pierce, the, the founder and the CEO for 40 years, I want, I want to talk a bit about that transition you're going through because I think it's so interesting because every company at some point was founded by a, a persistent, a relentless entrepreneur. Every great company has that in common. And there has to be a transition at some point when that person either leaves the job or, or passes away, as Pierce did. Now, Mark is his son, and he's the CEO. You're about two years into this. What have been your lessons? You've been part of this top team. You've been CMO for four years. What are the lessons you could share with us about navigating that transition from the founder to a, a, a new leadership, a different leadership, certainly part of the family, and, and you've been there 18 years but how have you managed that? What are you making sure that you never lose in the culture that Pierce embodied? And what sorts of things do you think probably have to change as we evolve, as every organization does? Yeah, Jim, absolutely. It has been um, quite a transition for us. I think in a certain um, instance, we've been very lucky because we have had Mark, you know, coming in uh, straight straight away, which meant the transition was probably smoother than somebody maybe new or not part of the organization. Um, and as Mark said, you know, he has grown up in Alltech. He worked in Alltech from a young age um, and it's been part of his DNA. And he always knew that he was going to take it over. It just happened, as we know, a little bit sooner, obviously, than anticipated. Um, so I think for, for us, that was a very comforting fact that we did have a, a very strong family member um, as, as, the, as the new leader in the organization. But to your point, what was so important um, from the outset was making sure that uh, Dr. Lyons's legacy um, lived on and, and Mark was um, very adamant about making sure that that happened. And a lot of that was through um, communication. Um, you know, we did a, 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 an awful lot of communicating to our global teams just after Dr. Lyons passed away, um, telling stories. We were all telling stories, you know. Um, he was Irish, so he's a storyteller at heart. It's part of our DNA. Um, and it is keeping those stories alive and making sure that we're able to pass them on to new people who are in the organization who didn't know Pierce and didn't work with him. Um, I also think for Mark, it was going through a period of carrying on that legacy, but also making it his own. And that's been a transition um, for for the organization. I think this year has really cemented Mark, you know, as the leader. Um, he's come into his own. He's a very authentic, sincere, empathetic, empathetic leader. And, you know, during these times, that's really shone through. And I think it's he's done a tremendous job uh, over the last nine months and beforehand. Um, but the, the legacy is very important to us because it's also part of our culture. 
Um, and it's it's certainly something that Mark and Mrs. Lyons and all of us want to make sure that we we continue. And it's te- it's telling those stories, and we continually tell those stories. Every week we do um, a video call around the world. Mark leads it. Um, and just last week we had somebody on who travelled a lot with Dr. Lyons, was a good friend, and he was telling us his story. So so that's something I guess that we're really trying to to keep alive. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website. And then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. Well, let's go into that a bit more now, Orla, this area of purpose, which we always talk about on my podcast. When I visited your company five years ago and and met a lot of the scientists and walked through the laboratories and, and met people in different disciplines, I was just blown away by the energy, the passion, the conviction, the sense of purpose, how everyone described the purpose in their own words. And at the same time, there was a sense of fun, a bit of whimsy, and a real innovative, curious spirit. So I'd I'd ask you, you, do you agree with that? I mean, this was my observation five years ago. And of course, I've talked to you and some of your colleagues off and on over the last five years. But I just thought it was this magical combination that is really hard to pull off. So I'd love you to reflect on that a bit for us. Yeah, Jim, I I completely agree with you. I think you've described it very well. Um, Again, because it was led by um, a a person who, you know, was very curious, who was very innovative, um, who was able to see outside the box, who I guess was a rebel to a certain extent in his in his field um, and was a little bit wild in his own way, which brought the fun in. And I mean, wild in a positive way. But he loved fun. He loved jokes. He loved um, having a good time, you know, he never took himself too seriously. And I think, you know, that cascaded throughout the organization and also being um, privately owned allowed us an awful lot of flexibility and we weren't straightjacketed. And that was one of the things that he was adamant about ensuring was the organization would never go public. And he was very proud of ensuring that that wouldn't happen so that he was able to do things like that, create that magic, you know, um, use that innovative spirit to do things that were, were different and maybe outside of the box. So I, I think it is a good description of the organization. Um, I think the people who work here are incredibly passionate. We love what we do. Um, we, we love being able to, again, make that difference. Um, and we do embody, I guess, the purpose. Again, when we talk about purpose. I think we're, we're very lucky in a sense that it is, again, part of our DNA. It's not something that we're looking for now because it's a, a nice to have or a must have. Um, when the organization was started, you know, again, uh, Dr. Lyons and, and Mrs. Lyons were adamant about everything we did uh, was good for the animal, the consumer and the environment, what we coined ACE. You know, and back in the 80s, that was really not cool. Um, and in fact, when he talked about it at different conferences, people walked out because it just wasn't where the industry was. You know, fast forward, you know, 20 years um, it, it it was appropriate and that's what the industry was looking for. And then again, fast forward another 20 years to where we are today. Um, it really allows us to understand how important that purpose has been all the way through through Alltech's journey. 
This rebel spirit, which he certainly embodied and, and many of you do, how did he get adoption in the industry with that rebel spirit? Was it his science? Was it his persistence? Was it his think, ideas? What was it? It was a, I think it was a mixture of all of them. Um, I think a lot of people did see him as a, as a maverick and a bit of a rebel. Um, and people shunned some of the, 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 um, areas that he was coming out with. But, you know, he was uh, a creator and he brought, products to market that didn't exist. He created categories in the market that didn't exist um, and placed a huge emphasis and a huge investment in science. Um, so, so there certainly was the, the, uh, the factual information, the, the data was there with our science, um, but also his ability, I think, to persuade um, again, and tell stories really helped, but it, it took time um, and some believed and some didn't. Um, but I think over time, when people were able to understand the science and, and what was really put in behind this, the seriousness of it. Yes, it's fun and it's wonderful, but the seriousness of the organization, that aspect of it, you know, really, really rings true. Um, when you look at, as you said, you know, the researchers that we have in our facilities, the amount of people with PhDs, um, you know, all the work that we do with universities around the world, there's a very serious um, aspect behind, you know, what our products do and the efficacy of them as well. Now, you're talking about your purpose these days uh, in language, something like the, uh, we're, we're all seeking to build a planet of plenty. Yes, working together for a planet of plenty. Yeah, which is really nice. C could you tell us a bit about that language, where it came from, its origin, and how it is coming to life in your daily work with your 6,000 or so employees and the partners you work with? Yeah, it's, uh, again, I guess, part of the legacy, um, Jim, and the transition um, from, you know, Dr. Lyons to Dr. Mark Lyons. Um, again, ACE, that animal consumer environment was, you know, very much part of our uh, our everyday lexicon. And that was really, I think, about what we would say is what was about all tech, and it was more looking inward. And I think the world today is a much more collaborative world. Um, and Mark, I think, embodies that. So a transition from um, the owner-founder um, to now the, the new leader meant, I guess, a, an evolution of, of our um, purpose, which, which became a planet of plenty. Um, I guess we we launched it 18 months ago at our one conference that you were um, a speaker at, a keynote speaker a number of years ago. Um, and, and the idea of working together for a planet of plenty is that we can do things, we can make an impact, we can have a world of abundance, but we cannot do it alone. Um, and again, when you look at the different, I guess, styles of leadership between Dr. Pierce Lyons and Dr. Mark Lyons, I think Pierce wanted to do things on his own. He was that maverick. He was that rebel. And I think Mark has a more collaborative spirit, um, which is probably more appropriate for where the organization is today. Um, and that's what the Planet of Plenty is about. It's about creating a much more positive world, particularly in an industry that can be very vilified. Um, you know, it's trying to get that story of agriculture out there in a much more positive way, elevate the industry, but do that by partnering with other organizations. Um, and that's that's really what a planet of plenty is about, and it's in its essence. You have some beautiful videos again, storytelling. You have some beautiful video stories on your site about how this planet of plenty is coming to life with farmers you work with and other partners. So I just recommend our listeners take a look. They really, really are inspiring and authentic and beautiful stories. How how is this coming to life with your employees? Any tips for the leaders listening about bringing this purpose to life with every individual? 
personality who is part of Voltec. Yeah, I'll be honest, Jim, it, it's been a journey and it's probably still a journey. Um, again, when we first launched this 18 months ago, I think the organization was, oh, that's that's nice. Oh, it's a st- sustainability initiative or it's a marketing program or it's the president's kind of idea. Um, so it actually has taken, you know, a long time uh, to to try and clarify what it actually means in in each person's life and and we're seeing today that it has a lot more resonance and a lot more meaning part of that is because we've also evolved it over the 18 months and we've been trying to figure it out um and also it's come from our customers actually um our customers have really embraced it um they love the concept they love the idea um and they've actually helped us to build out a framework for it um and in a sense we've had to keep the purpose open and broad enough so that it can resonate in different countries it can resonate with different employees um and and that it has that breadth i guess um that is not straightjacketed um and also for us i think a lot of it is around obviously communication um repetition um making sure that our strategic decisions are based around our purpose um we've we've done a lot of innovative initiatives that have to align with that purpose so it's it's from top down as everybody i think knows um but it takes time and it isn't always an easy path um and i think again we're still on that journey do you have any insights about measuring your progress uh i think we've really done it from um you know just hearing stories so far um i we we still are working actually on trying to understand what those measurements can be uh from a commercial point of view we're seeing it has a strong impact as i said customers are you know coming to us it's attracting different types of customers it's attracting organizations now um that are much bigger than all tech um and they want to partner with us um and and customers and organizations that we may not have had even a conversation with it's opened a lot of doors um so from that point of view um we're seeing the impact and we're measuring it i guess in 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 that regard as well you spoke a moment ago about about your one conference which i i attended a few years ago and i spoke that was the most amazing gathering of people again talk about curiosity and different sorts of thought leaders and I, I had I, just one little funny small story. It's a tip I took with me up to this day. I had I sat beside Ronan Tynan for dinner, who is the great tenor, and the, a most remarkable human being himself. And we had the most fun at that dinner. And he liked the glasses I was wearing. And he said, where did you get them? So I sent him a pair. And to this day, last time I saw him, he was still wearing them. And, and when we were having dinner, he was going to sing after dinner. He had a plate of bananas and apples delivered to him at dinner. And I said, what's that all about? And he said, the, I always have apples and bananas before I speak or sing because the bananas calm me down and the apples are excellent for my diction and they keep the, um, the saliva, I guess, down. So I thought, what a beautiful practical tip. So for everyone out there who has to give a public speech, apples and bananas. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, it is an amazing. What are you doing now in our virtual world with your one meeting? Yeah, well, that's, that's again, have, having so many people had to make those changes. So the last time I traveled was actually to Lexington in March. 
And it was, you know, just around the time where COVID was starting to appear in Europe and we were starting to see, you know, it spread. And that week we were trying to make a decision, you know, do we sort of try and continue this in person or do we really look at doing something differently? And we we decided very quickly to look at doing it um, from a virtual perspective. So, uh, Jim, you know, it is an amazing experience when you're there and that's hard to replicate online. Um, when we have 4,000 people coming from 80 countries around the world, descending to Lexington, there's a great buzz around the city. You know, it's fantastic. And we really do put on this wow experience and wow event, particularly for our industry. The agricultural industry isn't known for, for, for these types of events. Um, but, you know, trying to then pivot that to an online world, I guess that's where team comes in, right? I mean, we've got such a fabulous team. They work day and night to create a platform, to come up with ideas as to how we could do this differently. And, you know, we were hoping that we'd get that 4,000 people, you know, tuned in in May. Um, in fact, we had over 24,000 people. So for us, it was an absolute revelation. Um, it made us realize that we could reach so many more people who would never be able to come to Kentucky. Um, I think we had representatives from 118 countries. We had 102 speakers. It opened just doors that we would never have been able to do for an in-person event. Um, hard to get that networking, like you say, you know, you don't get to have that that wonderful dinner on um, this wonderful, you know, feeling of, of you know, wow and different and um, that science and that innovation that's just kind of wrapped around it. Um, but at the same time, we were able to create a fabulous experience online that we've actually continued um, so rather than it being a once a year event, we're now doing it once a month, which is which is, again, a really good opportunity for us as a brand, for us to get our information out, for being able to connect with with consumers around the world and to be able to bring our message and our story to that that really wide audience who would never necessarily be able to connect in in, a, in an in-person event. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. Orla, I want to shift the conversation to you and your career. Uh, leading up to uh, to Alltech, you've been at Alltech 18 years, as you said, and I think about four of them you've been CMO. You've worked on a few continents, and and I want you to reflect when you joined this company 18 years ago. What was it about the company that attracted you? Yeah, a very good question. 18 years is a lifetime, isn't it? Um, it is. Yeah, I. Um, I loved Alltech from the minute I stepped in. I loved the I loved the feeling. Um, there was just something about Alltech that you've said when you when you walked into the headquarters. There was something magical. There's something very positive, very optimistic, um, and very professional, very respectful. Um, and and the reason I've stayed here was also Dr. Lyons. I, I worked very closely with him over the years, and I just gained so much from him. I gained so many learnings. Um, so much motivation. Um, he's such an optimistic person, um, very successful. And that, again, was another um, thing when I stepped in. It was a very successful organization and it portrayed its success. And that was really refreshing and wonderful to hear and wonderful to see. Um, and I just have had the most amazing 
opportunities um, to do things that, you know, I don't think I necessarily would have been able to do in other organizations um, to work with a, a, a once in a lifetime person. Um, I think you've said it, you know, and, and, and those who met him understand that. Um, he was just an incredible, inspirational, um, wonderful, wonderful human being. Um, and he, he was the, the motivator, the driver, the, um, that, you know, that he had a childlike nature to him. I traveled frequently with him and I just had fun. You know, I had so much fun. We'd laugh. Um, and, uh, you know, he'd be playing tricks all the time. Um, but it's been, it's been a really amazing, amazing organization. And his wife, Deirdre, who I'm also very close with, you know, when you see what she does and the vision that she has and, um, you know, what she gives to her staff and to the employees, it's, it's just, it's remarkable. How are you a different leader now, Orla, than you were 18 years ago? You're a much younger person. Of course, we all were. But how do you feel your your leadership approach, philosophy, style has changed in 18 years? Uh, it's probably more authentic because, you know, I've grown and learned and developed over those over those years. Um, for me, it's it's all about the team. Um, you know, I couldn't do what I do without having a fabulous team. And we have a fabulous marketing team and and generally colleagues in the organization. Um, and that's another, I guess, aspect of all tech that has kept me here is we do have really good uh, teams and we've really good connectedness, I think, with with different departments and different people. And I know, you know, it's 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 very repetitious what people say, you know, it's culture that makes the difference. And it is. But there is a unique culture in all tech um, and it is based all around the people. Um, and and that's what's unique, I guess, about all tech as well. So from a leadership point of view, I think there is, you know, you know, really trying to be authentic, to be understanding, to be empathetic. Um, and what I've always tried to practice is leading by example. Um, I don't expect, you know, any of my team to do anything that I either haven't done or that I wouldn't do. And, and again, that's also been, I think, very much the philosophy of Alltech. Um, you know, I'm sure if you were in headquarters, Dr. Lyons makes a cup of tea. He used to make a cup of tea. Mark will make a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. That's the that's kind of the way it is. We all help each other um, and we all do whatever needs to be done to to, to get the job done. Now, you're CMO for four years, and you're CMO of a really interesting company as we've been talking. What do you do, Orla? Could you pull the curtain back? You're a B2B business. You're a B2C business. You're a forward-looking business. The the ACE acronym is a beautiful one. So what what is your job? What is your work? A lot of it is, you know, motivating the team and making sure that we are continuing to build a brand and to tell the story. Um, I think that's becoming even more important as the organization grows. When I started, there were about 800 people. And now, as you said, we've 6,000 people, many of whom would not necessarily have had the connection to the the, the founder. Um, so I think for our job, there's a big internal um, aspect of it and a big internal communications, um, as well as then external, making sure that, you know, what I'm doing and what the team is doing resonates with our customers, is addressing their challenges, um, you know, creating those solutions. Um, what's also very important is to ensure we're connecting with different departments and that I'm connecting with them. So that's from obviously the commercial side of the business, um, but also the research side of the business. 
um, because they're the ones who, you know, are sitting up in the labs all day trying to, you know, create those solutions for our customers, coming up with new and novel novel products. So it's ensuring that there is that kind of communication flow. Um, from a very practical point of view on a day-to-day basis, you know, I sit in Ireland, which in a sense, it's away from our headquarters, which might be quite unusual for CMOs, but actually it's quite nice from a global perspective because it straddles Asia in the morning, then I have Europe and then North America and Latin America in the afternoon. So from a time zone point of view, it's actually quite a nice place to be situated. Um, and uh, and obviously now with our our virtual world with Teams, it's it's made it even easier to be able to connect all around the world. So you've been a virtual leader for quite some time. I mean, you traveled a lot before the pandemic reaches in March. Any tips you have to stay close to your team around the world in a virtual world? It's it's having that these conversations and connecting with them. Um, and it's hard, Jim, I have to say, I think everybody is, you know, in this world, we're back to back with calls. It can be challenging to find the time. Um, I was saying to some of my colleagues, I'm actually more connected now to our headquarters in the US and my team there almost than I am to the team that were physically here in my office because I'm talking with the US all the time. But I'm not in the office seeing my team in the office. So so it's making sure that you're putting the time aside, booking in calendar time uh, to, to to talk with the team. Um, and I'm sure a lot of other people, you know, in global positions, whether it's marketing or anything else, are probably in a similar similar boat. As you look forward, and I obviously don't want you to disclose anything confidential, but what give our listeners a sense of your very highest priorities as you're looking forward as a CMO? Um, for, for me at the moment, a big part of what I think we need to do is ensuring that marketing is seen as a strategic partner in the organization and not just the event organization or the creating, you know, beautiful communications, um, but that we're really being able to be seen to drive growth. Um, and that's something that we're focusing on at the moment, um, Partnership, I think, is also really important. And I think as a marketing department, we've got a huge role to be able to play in attracting partners, um, in being able to cultivate partners and ensuring that we are, you know, aligning ourselves with the organizations that are also going to help to bring us forward um, and do it in that kind of collaborative manner. Um, But from a marketing point of view, it's, um, you know, we've got a great team. I think, again, very unusual in the industry because we do most of our marketing is done in-house. Um, that uh, that our, our one conference, you know, that's run by our team on the ground. Um, and that's fantastic because it allows us to have that connection with each other. Um, it gives great speed and great agility. Um, it was something Dr. Lyons really um, leveraged because he could contact somebody in Japan to work on something overnight that could be ready, you know, a few hours later in the U.S. Um, so that that uh, that in-house ability, I think, is is really important and really unique to to, to us certainly in our industry. As you're trying to, uh, you know, shift your marketing f- focus even more to be a growth driver, that's a common issue with CMOs. Any lessons or tips as you're trying to strengthen that capability or that way of working or that approach? Yeah, we're, we're trying to f- see what we need to focus on and what those priorities need to be. Um, uh, for us, I believe that we as marketeers should be able to help to really own the digital space within the organization. And I mean that, of course, with connected 
connectivity to our MIS department, to our sales department, but that we can, you know, we can create those insights, um, gather that information. And it's probably something that we haven't done um, very well to date. It's not something we focused on. Um, so so that's one. Um, I think also, um, again, data, I think, and insights is another area. If we can really hone that and own it and be able to leverage that information and, of course, you know, use it appropriately, have those actionable insights, um, then I think that's going to be very, very valuable for, for marketing to position itself as that growth driver and, of course, very valuable to the organization. Orla, what do you consider your greatest strength as a leader and what's something that you're still working on? Uh, I think one of my greatest strengths um, as a leader in generally is relationship building. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's something that I think comes quite natural to me. Um, I love being with people. Um, I love creating those connections. Um, I love having those conversations. I think that's been, been really important. Um, as a, something that I need to continue to, to build on, um, Oh, that's a good question. And there's probably an awful lot. Um, and maybe in a, in a, in a flip way, it is potentially making sure that I have the time for the team. Um, and you know, it's at, at this position, sometimes you can stay at the top a little bit too much and not be able to get, you know, out to the team as often as you'd like to. And that's something that I probably really need to focus on a little bit more. What are you most proud of in your four years as CMO? I think the marketing department has become more collaborative because of my approach. Um, and I see that connectedness with the actual team. Um, and I think also, you know, being part of the transition of the organization um, and being able to be that communicator of change, um, being able to uh, make sure that the organization could come through what was a very difficult time when, when uh, Dr. Pierce Lyons passed away. Um, and and being there for the teams and being there for the people um, and being there now for Mark. I think that's really important. And um, and it's been wonderful to be able to work with him on a much closer basis as well. I've worked with him all the way through my career in Alltech, but obviously he's in a very different position. I'm in a very different position. Um, and that's been, I think, a real a real privilege and something that I'm I'm really proud of as well. Is there anything in the four years that has been a flop, a failure, something you wish had gone better that you've learned from? Um, in terms of um, maybe getting products to market, we're, we're probably not as slick as we should be. Um, and there's a lot of areas that I think we need to create more efficiencies around. Um, I think automation and, and technology needs to come into the department more. And we probably haven't, I haven't done enough of that. Again, it's something that we're looking at at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, there, yeah, there are some, certainly some inefficiencies and doubling up of, 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 uh, of projects and, and thought process that are time wasting. Um, so it's trying to eliminate that. So I don't know if it's so much as a one thing has flopped as, mm -hmm. These are areas that, you know, we probably need to, I need to look at as a leader and uh, we need to look at as, a, as an organization and as a team. We've been talking about you as a leader. Now, if you look at your entire department, what do you think is the capability that is, you know, your so-called superpower in all tech marketing? And what's a capability that you're trying to make into a superpower? 
Um, for me, I think one of our, our, our superpower is creating an experience that is out of this world. Um, whether that's our, our big, you know, biggest marketing event of the year, our one conference, our biggest brand event of the year, um, to, to, to making customers feel special. Um, you know, through any of our touch points when they come into the organization or when we visit them, um, we really do have an ability as a team, um, to make something very, very special. And, and that's something I think we're very well known for in the organization or in the, in the industry as well. Um, what we could do differently and better, again, I think it is leveraging insights that we have from all around the world, internally, externally, um, and, and really being able to use those in the right way, being able to give the organization, um, those, those insights, um, to, to do something different or to address issues or to be able to, you know, spot what's coming down the horizon. Um, I think that's a, a secret sauce that, we as a marketing team need to work on and hopefully we'll be able to deliver on. We talked a moment ago about the pandemic and the impact it's had on your one conference and how it expanded it, how you're doing things monthly now. What do you feel like will be the biggest lasting impact on your company, your team, your category as we come through this pandemic? Authenticity and transparency and caring. Um, I think Again, very early on, I think Alltech mobilized um, our teams on the ground, you know, reached out to our customers, whether they were able to physically be there or not be there. Um, it was really important that they were connected, that we were there to support them. Um, you know, we supported them in so many ways, whether it was making sure that they were able to get product. Um, again, we were in a lucky um, position because we had manufacturing facilities all around the world. So from a supply point of view, there were no issues there, um, whether it was making sure that they were getting virtual trainings, um, virtual coffee mornings to keep them sane, um, bringing in expert speakers to talk to them, um, also helping them with some of the practicalities of COVID, you know, even just sharing some of our infographics and some of our policies and procedures. Um, we were very open. And I think that has really stood to us. And I think that's something that as a brand and as an organization, um, we'd, we'd be remembered for. Orla, I want to shift to our final segment, which is a lightning round of random questions that are about leadership, yourself, and, and, uh, and many issues. So what's your favorite city that you've either lived in or visited? I spent a, a number of years out in Asia, um, and I loved Bangkok. I was living in Bangkok for a number of years, and I traveled an awful lot. You know, again, with my father traveling, we were lucky enough to go all around the world with him. Um, so I've, I've lived, and I lived in a number of different cities, but Bangkok has a special resonance to it. It's got this kind of crazy culture. Um, you know, it's, it's on 24 seven. It's got a beautiful connection between the East and the West. Um, it's very warm, um, which I love, which is surprising why I live in Ireland because it's cold here and, uh, Bangkok was lovely and warm, but it's, and it's a really nice position in Asia because it's a great place for springboarding into other countries. And it was also a city where a lot of people passed through. Um, so I've got, um, I've got a strong affinity for, for Thailand and for Bangkok. It's like my second home. Your favorite beverage in the portfolio of Altex beer and spirits. 
It has to be our Haypenny Gin, which is distilled here in Ireland. Um, it's named after a famous bridge over Dublin, where you used to have to pay half a penny to cross it many years ago. Uh, it's a it's a really nice gin. It's award winning. We also have a rhubarb flavored version, um, which is very nice. Um, yeah, that's that's my favorite. I can't wait to try it. It's a little bit hard to get in the US, correct? Yeah, so. that one is hard to get to the US, but. When I get over there, Jim, I will bring a bottle with me. Thank you, Orla. Oh, the many benefits of this podcast. Right? <laughs> are, are there companies or CMOs that you find especially inspiring? Patagonia, I think, is an incredible organization. Um, and I would love to speak to Corey Byers. Uh, again, just in a sense of how the clothing industry, particularly now, is being, um, I guess, you know, a light has been shone on it for you know, the, the sustainability, the environmental impact that it's having, as agriculture is as well. So just being able to understand how they've navigated through that. And I know they've navigated it from a very early, early day, um, but it would just be interesting to really, um, you know, speak and hear from from him as to how the organisation just transcends that. Um, you know, and again, when you talk about purpose, you know, what a purposeful organization um, and from what it just seems, and I think you're wearing Patagonia at the moment, from what, it, from what it seems, it's so embedded into the culture and into the organization. Um, and I just think they, the, the stories that and the learnings um, from, from Patagonia, you know, in terms of a parallel to what's happening with the agricultural industry would be, would be fascinating. Your most influential course or professor at Trinity College? Oh, wow. That's a long time ago. Um, oh, you've kind of got me there. Uh, we, uh, Sean Barrett actually um, was a professor in uh, economics and uh, transport, which doesn't necessarily sound that fantastic. But he was, he again, probably a great storyteller, um, really good at being able to communicate the, the subject matter and the information um, the, the subjects that I studied, it was a business degree, it wasn't marketing. So it was very broad, which was, which was really interesting because I was able to dip into quite a number of different topics and different subjects. So yeah, he was, he was excellent. He was very good. On a scale of one to 10, how much did you, did you enjoy the Trinity ball? <laughs> it's a, it's a, a well-known, uh, coming of, I don't know, student fill in, in Dublin city. It's fantastic. And actually, the first year I was at it was when Trinity was celebrating its 400th anniversary. So it was amazing, amazing, absolutely amazing. And a beautiful college. It's right in the city centre of Dublin. It's got such history. Uh, it's yeah, it was it was fantastic. It was a great experience. I visited I visited the campus in the last two years. It is. Remarkable. Oh, did you? Yeah. 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 Did you go and see the um, the long library? I did. Yeah, it's, I did. It's... I wanted to spend more time there. Yeah. They, yeah. they ushered me through it because there was a long line. Okay. <laughs> so who is the greatest inspiration in your life? Uh, I think you'll probably gather from this that uh, Pierce Lyons certainly, uh, you know, was, was a huge part of my life. But also my father. Uh, you know, everyone's parents play a large role in their, in their lives. And my father, there were a lot of parallels with, with my father and, and Pierce Lyons. Um, larger than life characters. And my father was the same. Um, you know, business person, very positive, flying around the world, nonstop, lots of energy. Um, he was a gourmand, which Pierce wasn't. Um, and, uh, and he taught me, you know, so much, my work ethic, um, you know, who I am. He was just uh, an incredible, incredible person. So both, both men in my lives, uh, Dr. Lyons and, uh, and my father. 
So how did the gourmand transfer to you? Are you a foodie? I, I am a foodie. My family have all been foodies. And actually one of the one of the things that we're doing during COVID is cooking um, a different national dish or a national country every week. So uh, so my brothers and sisters, we live, we all live in Dublin. We're not sharing, we're not going to each other's houses because we're all in lockdown, but we're we're posting our photographs, we're sharing our recipes. So so since April, I guess we've done 32 countries, which is wow. quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's been your so, favorite? You know, really strangely and totally unexpected was Greece. Um, I just had really beautiful dishes from Greece. Um, I also... Simple things, right? Simple, it, wonderful. You know what? It yeah. kind of is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indonesia was also very good. It's one of those things that, you know, was such a great idea. But then by the time Saturday comes, you're kind of scrambling going, what am I going to cook? What am I going to cook? Uh, but it gives you something to focus on and something for us to share as well. I think I know the answer to this question, but the most important business mentor in your life? Uh, again, I think both, you know, Pierce and, and, and my father, um, you know, for, for sure. And both taught me so much um, about and, and gave me my love and appreciation of business. You know, from an early age, I wanted to be in business. You know, I wanted to be in a corporate organization that I was passionate about that would become part of my life because that's what my father did. Um, and, uh, and, you know, that's why I've stayed in Alltech because it is part of my life and they're part of my family. And that's what I love about it. Um, so, yeah, so both, both Pierce and, and dad uh, gave me that love of business and that love of the corporate world. Was there a habit or, ru- or routine that both men had that you have learned from? Keeping in contact. Um, uh, both were complete phone addicts and they would phone somebody just to say hello. Um, and no matter, you know, what time of day it was, uh, my father would sit up having a glass of wine, you know, looking at his watch, trying to figure out who he could phone around the world, whether it was Chile or Australia. And Pierce was exactly the same. And, you know, you'd get a phone call on Sunday. And really all it was was to connect and say hello and keep in, in contact. And they both did an amazing job at that. They were both really, really good communicators. And they were the phone days. You know, now we've got videos, which is even better, right? Yeah. You know, David Bell, who's a mentor of mine, used to be the chairman of IPG, just a wonderful human being. He talks about the power of surprise. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? That's you know, constantly really lovely. surprising your team, yeah. you know, your customers, your wife, yeah. your husband, your kids, your mom, yeah. your dad, your siblings. It's just like nothing that. like a positive surprise. Yeah, that's, that's really, really nice, actually. It's a lovely, lovely, lovely takeaway. So what are you reading or watching or listening to that's entertaining or inspiring for you, especially in these um, pandemic times? Yeah, um, I've just finished a fabulous book um, and I'm reading it because I'm also interviewing the author in a couple of days. Um, but for your listeners, I'd really recommend it. It's uh, by Professor Mauro Guillen, who's with the Wharton School. It's called 2030, How Today's Biggest Trends Will Collide and Reshape the Future of Everything. And when you consider the pandemic and what we're going through, you know, wouldn't it be nice to kind of take a peek as to what's coming in the next decade? Uh, he's done an amazing job of being connect, being able to connect dots and talks about demographics, economics and technology and how they're all going to collide really in 2030. Um, so that's a fantastic business book I again recommend. Um, watching, I'm not a huge television Netflix watcher, but I, I have 
probably belatedly um, for a lot of your listeners uh, joined the Schitt's Creek um, wave, which is fantastic. I absolutely love it. I giggle. And it's a great escape. Um, I've also just finished The Queen's Gambit, which I loved as well. Mm, it was also yeah. based in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. And, you know, in Cincinnati, it's been all those all those places that I've been to in the States, which was really nice. Um, and The Crown, I'm dipping in and dipping out of. So so there are some of the some of the things that have kept me occupied. Scott Galloway, the professor at NYU, has a new book out called Post-Corona, similar what's happening, what's oh. going to stick. So those would be a good combo to read. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm about to order Scott's book, so I'll add that to the list. Do Yeah, and it's, it's, the, the Maros one is excellent. So who would you like to hear in the CMO podcast? Uh, uh, probably Corey Byers, actually, of Patagonia. I think it would be great to, um, to, to hear him and um, I know he's only been there for a number of years, so just be really interesting to see kind of what that transformation has been for him as well. Um, also, um, I love IKEA actually as a brand. Um, and, you know, it came very late to the scene in Dublin. Um, myself and my sisters used to travel to Scotland and the UK to purchase IKEA furniture and, you know, ship it all the way back to Dublin or drive it all the way back to Dublin. Um and I just think it's a it's a really it's a good brand. What they're doing is really good. Um, uh, the you know from a customer point of view, it's fantastic. From a sustainability point of view, it's fantastic. So um, I think her name is Claudia. I can't remember her surname, um, but I think she'd be a really interesting interesting person to hear from as well. Those are both great ideas. I love visiting IKEA for the food. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love you their like cookies. those Swedish They're Swedish best, meatballs. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So I'll give you the last word, Orla. Any question for me before we sign off? Yeah, Jim, we're actually asking this on all of our One Virtual Experience speakers. So I think it'd be great to be able to hear it from you. What are you optimistic about for the future? I am optimistic about the seriousness in which companies and individuals are thinking about our planet. And you're included in that. I think we are now at the point where things are going to happen and they have to happen and they must happen. So I am optimistic about that. And I'm optimistic and it's related to that about the role of business and purpose changing things. And if there's a positive about the awful time we've been in with the pandemic and the turmoil we've had, at least in the States, politically and socially, is I do feel there's a resolution to address some very deep issues yeah, and climate and planet being one of them, and to take positive action. Businesses are agents for change. You're one of them. And I think there's a conviction and a, and a resoluteness that we haven't had in my lifetime and career, and I am positive about that. That's great. And I, I, I echo, I think, everything that you're saying, and I think we are really beginning to see that. And, and I think we have an awful lot to be positive for for the future. Absolutely. Well, Orla, have a wonderful holiday. This has been Thank so generous you, of you. Give my best to all your colleagues. Thank you. I am so happy I met you five years ago, and, and I look forward to, to maybe sharing a bit of gin at some point in the future. Jim, that would be my pleasure. And thank you for your time and for inviting me onto the podcast. It's been, again, a wonderful experience and a pleasure to see you again. That was my conversation with Orla McAleer. The most remarkable part of this conversation was how she spoke so deeply about the founder of this company, Dr. Pierce Lyons, and the lessons that Orla has learned from working with him for so many years and how they're keeping his spirit going forward. This company, Alltech, is one of the most purposeful companies in the world. The way Orla spoke about corporate responsibility and the acronym they use, ACE, 
They are about animals, they're about consumers, and they're about the environment and how that comes to life in the organization, in daily work, and in how they measure their progress. This was an inspiring discussion about purpose and social responsibility in business. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.